Well, hey, Heritage, how's it going? Good, good, good to see all of you. I want to welcome all of you across our network, Bettendorf Campus. So glad that you're here. You are loved. Thank you for your investments in hosting Live to Lead on Friday. You did such a great, great job with that. Men of Kiwani, we are so glad that you're a part of our family. People who might be checking us out online, maybe for the first time, welcome to the journey with us. And of course, I can't forget my brothers and sisters here at the Rock Island Campus. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for plugging in as we worship the Lord together and study together together. My name is Josh Howard. I get to serve as the assistant campus pastor here at the Rock Island campus. I've been on staff for a little bit more than three years, and it is such an honor to be able to work with the women and men who are on staff here at Heritage who just love pursuing God and love investing in this body of believers. Last week, we launched into a brand new teaching series called Our Heritage And Pastor Sean did a great, great job of kicking that off for us. And I really appreciated one of the very first things that he did was he, uh, he drew something, which should not be a surprise, right? He's so good at that. And he drew this really great kind of map of all of the worship expressions and ministry expressions that make up the Heritage Network. And it was great. Now, you'll, you'll notice I don't have an easel, uh, so I'm not going to try to draw this because I am no artist. I can do Stickmen and the Cardinals logo, and that's about it. And I can't even fathom trying to draw something and talk at the same time. That's where Pastor Sean has it on me. It's really good. But so we, we kind of put something together like this. This, this is more my style. Uh, and this, this kind of gives you a summary of what he drew and, and kind of what makes us, uh, the Heritage Network, what, makes, what we're investing in and, and some of those things. But I got to tell you, as he was going through this last week, there was a moment where, where I actually got emotional um, because I was, I was thinking about those two big numbers along the red stripe there at the top, over 1,500 in the last five years who have received Jesus as their Savior, over 1,100 who have stepped into the waters of baptism. And it caused me, yeah, I mean, amen, I praise the Lord for that. But it caused me to think back to my own life. And if you were to take that number and if you were to turn it from 5 to 40, I know I'm dating myself there, but 5 to 40, then my name actually would be up in both of those numbers for Heritage Church influence and ministry. Because I, some of you know my story, but I grew up here at Heritage from age one to 18. And we were still in the red brick building down in the Heritage Edition and Southeast Moline. But, but I grew up in this context. This is my home church. And at age five or six is when I received Jesus into my life and it was under the ministry and influence of Heritage Church. In middle school, I stepped into the waters of baptism in that red brick building, the white addition. There was a baptistry there where uh, teenagers, and I was one of them, who would use it for hide and seek or, or games of sardines. But in that day, on that day, the water was full, and I walked into this holy ground moment for me where I was baptized not only into the body of Christ, but I was baptized into this localized body of believers called Heritage Church that would go on to continue to pour into me and invest and, and love me and, and set a trajectory towards growth and towards obedience. And I am just forever grateful for the past investments of Heritage Church. And, and many of you, you might be represented on these numbers as well. You might have to change the, the five years. You might be more 10, 15, but many of you are up in that red stripe number. Th those important decisions, those, those stories of transformation 
that have happened through God's anointing of Heritage Church ministry. And so I'm excited about this series because it is so personal to me, this thing, this our heritage. And I'm so thankful for the past, but, but what this series is really helping us to do is actually ask the question, how are we investing in this present moment and what is our lean into the future? You know, the past is great and, and we celebrate it, but what is next for us? What is God calling us to? How can we be a blessing to these cities that we are planted in? How can we connect as many people as possible to God, to others, and to their purpose? And this is where our core values come into play. We saw this last week. It's, it's in your sermon notes right at the top if you're tracking along there. But, but these are our guiding principles. This is the how. This is how we believe God is calling us to move into the future. Now, last week, Pastor Sean did a really great job of unpacking the first two there, uh, authentic love and intense spirituality. And he, he unpacked what are the definitions, how, <clears throat> what, what does this look like, and, and even some how do we lean into this. And this week, we're going to take those, those same core values, uh, you know, authentic love, intense spirituality, but we're going to frame the question a little bit. Rather than define what they are, we're going to take a step into practice. What are the rhythms? What are the habits that would be most helpful for us to lean into in order to experience authentic love, in, in, in order to experience, you know, a spiritual intensity? How, how do we engage with this? What are those practices, those everyday things that we need to have in our life? Now, we should probably pause for a moment before we kind of get into specifics. We should probably kind of uh, talk about the word practice uh, you know, I'm sure all of you have heard the term practice makes perfect, right? You, you've heard that, and you also know that it's not true. You, you've lived that, and you understand that. I practice baseball. You know, that was the sport. I lived and breathed baseball as a kid, and I took swings, and I, I practiced fielding, and I practiced pitching, and I could never get to a place, even at a little league level, where I hit every single ball, where I hit a thousand, right? I, could, I never got to a place where, where I struck every single kid out that came up to the plate to bat against me. I never found that. And to be honest with you, professional athletes have never found that either. Just ask the Cardinals the last two games. They've not found that, okay? But, but the principle behind practice makes perfect, that is, that is significant. That, that is, you know, we might not become perfect, but practice actually draws us into proficiency. It actually raises the bar. It helps us get to a new level of effectiveness. Practicing something actually helps it become ingrained in who we are and become second nature to us. But that need for practice also points to the reality that there are things in our life, many things in our life that do not come naturally and will not just appear magically for us. That it's gonna take work, that practice is needed in order to find and gr find growth in a variety of areas of our life. It might be marriage, it might be what you do for a living. It certainly will be your spiritual walk. This is true. The scriptures talk about this. The Apostle Paul writes a letter to Timothy and, and says this, says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people, 
and particularly of all believers. Notice those phrases in that passage, right? Training for godliness, hard work, continual struggle, spiritual health does not and will not appear out of nowhere in your life. It's going to take practice. It's going to take work and commitment and intention, discipline, and yes, spirit-infused help. And this idea of practice, it's not new. We're not introducing a new concept here. This is something that has ranged all the way back through church history. Pastors and thinkers and writers have all recognized the need for us to engage in practices that will help us grow in our faith, the need of introducing spiritual rhythms and habits that will help move the ball forward in our life towards spiritual maturity. You go all the way back to the the Old Testament, you see that sort of thing there, the call to rhythm, sometimes the call to festival and observance. You go to Jesus and he models it, getting away, you know, under under the cloak of darkness for solitary time. You, You see it in the early church and you see it from there on out, thousands of manuscripts and, and books have been written about spiritual disciplines, about habits and rhythms that put us in the very best position to receive everything that God would have for us. In fact, that would be my definition of spiritual practice today. It's in your notes. You don't have to fill anything in. But to me, a spiritual practice is any habit or rhythm that would put us in the best position to receive what God has for us. And so this is why in this series, we're going to press pause several times to, uh, to engage in some of the practices that are connected to our core values. We'll talk about what we believe one week, and then we'll, we'll kind of bounce to how do we live that out the next week. Because friends, these values, these big, beautiful, uh, amazing values that are in front of us, as awesome as they are, they are so Difficult. They are tough, and practice will be needed for us to become proficient in all the things that God is calling us toward, both as individuals and as a church community. So then the question changes. We, we've talked a little bit about the word practice, but what are the practices that we most need to engage in in order to find kind of that, that to, to live fully into authentic love and intense spirituality? Now, there's dozens and dozens that we can choose from. We could probably do a whole series on spiritual disciplines, but today we're going to settle on three, and, and, and these are three practices that I think will help us live more fully into those first two values, authentic love and intense spirituality. And the very first practice that I would highlight, and this will probably not surprise you, some of you will be able to just fill in those notes way ahead of me, but it's still so important to talk about some of these things, is to read and engage the Bible. Read and engage the scriptures. I was recently reading one of my favorite biblical scholars. His name is N.T. Wright, and he's just such a great writer and, and makes me think about things in different ways. And he mentioned that there were two central things that Israel would download from the scriptures when they read the Old Testament. And he talked about how those two things are carried over now for us, that as Christ followers, Those same two things are downloaded to us, and it it really stands as reasons for why we should engage the scriptures regularly. And the first thing that he mentioned is that the scriptures provide the big story of God. The scriptures provide the big, central, driving meta-narrative. 
It's the biggest story of them all. It's the story of creation. It's the story of our fall into sin. It's the story of God's daring rescue plan that he implemented on earth, first through Israel and then through Jesus, where Jesus came, wrapped himself in human flesh, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, rose from the grave on the third day, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit back to empower and indwell believers, to gather them as a church and to send them out into mission. Now, I love this. Uh, N.T. Wright actually calls this the controlling story, the framing story. It's the story that informs our identity and our destiny as believers. Now, there's thousands of smaller stories in the scriptures, right? There's little rabbit trails here and there. There's all kinds of little, little things in there. But we have to learn to read all of those smaller stories into the big, driving, controlling story of God, the story of Jesus coming to earth. In fact, I would go so far as to say that Jesus should be the lens through which we read all of the scriptures. When we go back to the Old Testament, we read those passages through the lens of Jesus. Someone said the scriptures should be Jesus-shaped, spirit-led, and they are mission-forming, that they give us our identity and they, they help us to understand our destiny as Christ followers. Now, as exciting as that is, there's a second download that the scriptures give us, and this is just as important. The scriptures shape our call to a present obedience. So we get the big story, but then we understand how do we live now in the midst of that big story? We learn from the scriptures what it means to live in submission to the Holy Spirit. We learn the types of fruit that spirit-led people will produce. It shows us how to live authentically human lives, full of love, spirituality, purpose. See, as we read and study and teach and pray and sing these beautiful scriptures, it actually begins to shape us into a people longing for and willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God coming to this earth. Simply put, the scriptures help us know how to presently live on mission as people who are just spilling over with love. We go back to Paul writing to Timothy. He wrote him two letters. We're going to look at the second one now. He says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom. Read their big story to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And then he starts to spin his attention to a present obedience, where he says all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When our identity is formed by the big controlling story, when it is formed by the meta-narrative, meta the big, big story of Jesus, that helps us to live into authentic love because we are beginning to understand just how authentically loved each of us have been by Jesus. And that authentic love then is the fuel for which we move towards spiritual intensity. It is vitally important that we engage with the scriptures on a regular basis. Now listen, I know this because I've, I've talked with enough people to know that this book can be really intimidating and that there may be some people in this room who are kind of new to faith 
and you're like, I don't even know where to start with the Bible. Like, I don't even know the first step. I, I, I just have no idea. There might even be people in this room who have been believers for a long time, and you're still in that boat of, I don't really know how to engage with this, with this thing. It's big, and, and it's sometimes confusing, and where, where do I begin with this? <clears throat> and I want to just give you a couple of small, quick pieces of advice just for people who want to get kind of deeper into the journey of, of interacting with the scriptures. Again, none of this will be earth shattering, but I just hope it might be helpful for you to take a step. The first thing I would suggest is find an easy to read translation. There are dozens and dozens of different translations. My favorite for someone who is just getting started would be the New Living Translation. Uh, I, like the, I like that translation because it is easy to read, but it also is faithful to the original language and text. So I recommend that for beginners. Each pastor might have their own suggestion. Ask the pastor that you're closest with. You know, what, what is your suggestion for getting, you know, into the word? What, what, what's the translation that you would pick? And I would say here, don't start with the King James Version, okay? Don't do that. Now, I'm not cracking on the King James Version because, you know, there, there are actually passages that I still can't see uh, apart from that translation. Like the Lord's Prayer, I can't. I've memorized it at KG, KJV. I, I can't say it any other way. So there's a nostalgic factor to that. But for a beginner who is just starting to take a baby step into the Scriptures, find a translation that would be easy to understand. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, we have Bibles at our Next Steps area and all of our lobbies at all of our locations, we want to give to you for free. We, we are so committed to every person who calls Heritage Home to have their own copy of the scriptures. If you don't have one, go out to the, the lobby and talk to somebody with a lanyard and they will get you a, a Bible that you can take home, that you can call your own. That, that we're just very passionate about that. Second piece of advice would be start with the gospel. Start with the gospel. Those are the, four, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of those books sort of has their own unique flair, but all four of them tell the story of Jesus's ministry on earth. So I don't think that you can go wrong. Any of the ones that you choose, just start there. Because again, reading the story of Jesus helps to give us context for how to read everything else. When you go back to the Old Testament, you know, you'll, you'll have kind of the context for for how to, how to engage with that. Uh, there's a lot of people that will, you know, and this is natural. When you pick up a book, you want to start at the beginning, start kind of flipping through. So there's a lot of people that start their journey with the Bible. They start in Genesis, and that's good. And then you get to Exodus, still pretty good, kind of dramatic, good stuff. Leviticus, I'm out, right? That's just what happens. It's like reading a, a law book or something, you know, and it's just really hard to understand contextually what that's saying if you don't understand the bigger story of what Jesus has done for us. And so I would just recommend if you're just beginning, if you're taking a baby step, start with a gospel and let that story of Jesus really settle into your heart. I think that, that is just the way to go for that. Now, the, the third thing I would say, this might be for anybody, honestly, is to listen to the Bible. You know, there, there's so many of us who don't like to read or, or maybe we've been intimidated by stepping into the scriptures because we just, maybe reading comprehension is not something that we're wired for. And I want to just tell you, there are tools out there for you to listen to the scriptures. There are, the, you know, like a, if you've got a smartphone, there's an app. It's called YouVersion. It's a Bible app that you can download. It's completely free. It has dozens and dozens of translations. And some of those translations actually come with audio files of the entire Bible read professionally. 
So you can go to John 3, and then there's a little play button at the bottom, press play, and someone reads it over you. And I love this because there's times where that's how I get the download. You know, I'm, I'm writing in the car, and I, I press play and let it kind of let it play over the speakers and, and get the word in me. And what I've noticed is that when I hear the word, I actually will, will notice things about the stories and the text differently than if I read the word. And so there, there's some different things that God, Holy Spirit can do in that dynamic. And so I would just say, if, if you struggle with reading, this would be a great entry point is just to get that app and, and just start to listen to the text to get it in you. I don't know how helpful those will be. Just to, those are just a couple of quick hit things. But for all of us, it doesn't matter what level of Bible proficiency you are at in your life. It is important for all of us to know how important this practice will be as we attempt to live into everything that God has for us. So then we move to the second major practice today. Again, this is not going to surprise anyone, but we need to communicate with God through the gift of prayer. Prayer is so important. And it's simple in that the definition is a conversation with God, but prayer is much like the Bible. It stands as a hang-up for so many believers. There is just so much intimidation and fear that is built into this practice. So often people will just avoid it. Or I've heard this several times in, in sort of my ministry career. Well, someone will come to me. You're the professional. You pray. And I'm like, no, no, you, you are empowered and you can pray for this situation as well. And so I want to remind us of two Benefits, two just amazing things that prayer brings to our life when we engage with it regularly. The first thing that I would say is that it leads to intimacy, that prayer actually connects us to the heart of God. It helps us reflect upon the character of God, the, the saving activity of God. It gives us an outlet to express our fears and our worries and maybe our anger at times, maybe our, our victories or dreams. It, it helps us express to God what is going on in our hearts and in our lives. Prayer draws us in to his heart, draws us closer to him. I remember last week, Pastor Sean talked through the idea of how proximity leads to intensity. And he talked very much about this idea of remaining in Jesus, remaining. And prayer really does provide the space. It's, it's really the perfect space to remain with Jesus and, and to get proximate with his heart so that we build intensity and we build intimacy in our life with him. I was thinking this week, you know, every strong relationship is built upon the foundation of good communication. It, whether it's a marriage or a family dynamic or, or a coworker or longstanding friendship, communication has to happen. And communication takes practice, which is why this practice of prayer is so important. Even if it feels awkward or foreign the first couple of times that we take a, a shot at it, it opens us up relationally to God's heart. And, and this is such a stunning big idea when you really wrap your mind around it, that the almighty creator God wants to talk to you. The, the same God who poured out all the waters of the ocean, the same God who formed the highest mountains, the same God who flung stars and planets across the vastness of space is the same God who has created a pathway of communication between you and him. Friends, listen, 
God hears every single word you say, and it matters to him. It's amazing. It is such an extraordinary gift. And there, it's, it's, it leads us directly into the heart of God. It leads us into intimacy. But it also leads to power. And it helps us access the strength, the might, the glory of God. Prayer opens the conduit of God's power. God is able actually to do miraculous things in us, through us, around us because of our prayers. Now, the danger here, the danger is that, that we get disillusioned with God when we, when we pray for something and God decides to bring his power to bear on our behalf in a way that we weren't expecting or uh, it took a lot longer than we were hoping or that it was something that we didn't even pray for, that, that we 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 kind of get mixed up in that. And, and I want you to know, every time you pray, God always brings his power to bear on your behalf. But it, it, it just, we need to understand it's not always in ways that we expect or in the time frames that we would desire. And so a large part of prayer is this idea of trust, of saying to God, God, I, I trust in what you're trying to do in me and through me right now. I trust in what's going on in my life. And, and I trust that it fits in with your desired plan and future for me. But, but friends, know this. Every time you pray, God brings his power to bear on your behalf. Now, this was vitally important to the Apostle Paul. I want to read something, a statement that he wrote to the Ephesians, but notice the urgency that's built in to this. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Prayer is this spiritual practice that helps us live fully into authentic love, that intimacy with God and spiritual intensity, the power of God, because it grants us access to him, to his strength. But again, kind of like the Bible, I understand that prayer can be an intimidating thing. So in the same way that I did kind of for the Bible, I want to give us just three quick pieces of advice, three words hopefully of help for anyone who just wants to take another step into prayer. And the very first thing I would say is just be yourself. Be yourself. You don't have to know the theological terms. You, you don't have to have had, you know, scripture memorized. You, you don't have to sound like the pastor that you heard pray when you were growing up as a kid. You don't even have to sound like the, the friend who prays articulate prayers that you hear all the time. You just need to be you. See, listen, God knit you together. He formed you. He created you. And, and he wants to hear your unique voice. He is for you. He's in favor of you. And he wants to hear how you, you would approach him, how you would verbalize things, how you would approach him in love and with requests. So be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else in that dynamic. The second thing I would mention is don't be afraid to borrow from the past. And I know that kind of sounds contrary to what I just said about being yourself, but, but, but friends, there are moments in life, maybe it's a crisis, maybe it's a season of darkness, a season where you just, you look into the future and it just looks gray, it just, there's not much hope. And there's seasons where we approach the throne of God and we can't articulate, nothing comes to mind. We just don't have the words to pray. 
And I want you to know that we live in a stream of a rich tradition, this, this thing called Christianity. It's a rich tradition of prayers all the way through our history. You, you go back to the Old Testament and you'll see this in the Psalms. The Psalms are beautiful expressions. It was like the first book of common prayer, really. And you, you can find really prayers for any occasion in the Psalms. Fast forward to the New Testament and you look at Jesus's life. Not only did you get, he give us a model to pray for disciples to pray, but Pastor Sean talked about it last week, John 17, a whole chapter where Jesus prays for his disciples and then for us. We're given these handholds throughout the scriptures of words that we can latch on to and, and make them our own, make them our own in certain seasons of our life. We have dozens and dozens of prayer books, like the Book of Common Prayer, where you can kind of lean into that and try to find something that is resonant to you in your current situation. We have in the, your sermon note guide, Every week this series, we're going to have a different prayer of the people, a pre-written prayer that you can take home and just pray over your life, pray over your family, just pray over even your spiritual intensity. We want, we want to give it to you. We look at it as like a gift that we're given to you to use in your own time with the Lord. There's sort of this, this idea of prayers have to be spontaneous in order for it to be holy. And I just totally disagree. I think there are so many, it's like digging for treasure. There's so many great prayers in the past that we can dig up to help us in, in a present moment. Of prayer. The third thing that I would say is build in times of silence. We already did this across all of our locations today where we, we had a moment of silence. Might have felt awkward to some of you, actually. Might have been kind of a weird thing for you. But I would say prayer is a great time to build in a moment of silence. Uh, it, first of all, it takes the weight of you doing all the talking off of you. And if you're doing all the talking in prayer, there's something probably going wrong anyway. So build in some times where you're just sitting and listening for the Spirit to give you a prompting, to give you wisdom, to bring something to your mind of maybe how to, how to obey in a greater way on that particular day. I, I don't know what that will look like for each of you, but it can just be as simple as building in 60 seconds of silence and then moving into your prayer rhythm. Those are just, again, just a few, a, a few tips, a few things, hopefully to help, hopefully we'll land and help you just take a step forward into the practice of prayer. All of this then leads to the third practice, something that we're really, really passionate about, and that's to say, we want you to lean into rhythms of community. We, we, we want you to lean into rhythms of a community because, friends, we can't do this alone. We weren't meant to do this alone. You look at Jesus' ministry, he was always creating space for community. It's, it's part of the natural process, actually, of how the church continues to exist, that, that communities created, and we pass on that big story of God, and then the next generation passes it on. It's, it's all about gathering people together to learn about the story and to be presently obedient. I love how the author of Hebrews articulates this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now listen to this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
It is so important that we are leaning into community, even in terms of how we engage the scriptures. We are better readers of scripture when we do it together. We are better prayers when we pray together. We need that rhythm of relational connection to rub shoulders with other believers because that helps build us up into a healthier follower of Jesus. And you know, there, there are many in our midst and several of you could probably raise your hand and give testimony of how community has been a big, big deal to you. We captured a story of a heritage attender who not only kind of jumped into rhythms of Bible reading and prayer, but found the value of doing that in a community. And so we captured this and we, we want to just pass it along to you. Hopefully it'll encourage your heart, but it's a, it's a beautiful story. Take a look at this. Well, initially I was invited. Um, I'd never even heard of Heritage before that. Uh, a good friend of mine invited me, and um, and prior to that, I did not belong to a church and didn't really go to church. didn't Didn't know God that well at all. It, it felt home. I felt greeted. I felt welcomed, and uh, it changed my life. I made a commitment to read every day, and uh, I wasn't really getting a lot out of it. I was doing my part. Okay, I read that chapter. Okay, I'll read this chapter tomorrow. I'll read this chapter tomorrow. I was just kind of going through it. It wasn't really sinking in and, and getting a hold of me. I was by myself at home at night, and uh, just kind of a tearjerker moment with me and God. But I mean, I just kind of come unglued, like, what? Are, what's the purpose? I don't understand, you know. And, and uh, he's like, you don't understand because you're not reading, you're not, you're not getting into it, you're not putting your heart into it, and uh, that very next morning, I was sitting there at my desk with the coffee, and the Bible was sitting right there, and I was just sitting there looking at it, and uh, and God spoke to me, I had that small voice, do it now, I, was, I heard it, do it now, I opened the Bible, I just started reading it, and it was, it was different, you know, and it spoke to me, and, and uh, it opened my eyes, and it wasn't so much about just reading the five minutes, reading the chapter, and closing the book and walking away. I was really getting into it and, and, and under, you know, figure out what's going on, why, and, and and all the scripture. I mean, even with the Book of John and and, and, and Romans and Acts and to all of them, they, they 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 speak clearer now. You know, where um, just like the the blind man, you know, he's like, I don't know, but I was blind, but now I see. You know, and, and I I see things differently, uh, the world differently, sin differently. Um, people differently. It hit me kind of funny because I never had a mentor in my life, that I, you know, other than coaches in school and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, you know what, you know, I, maybe the Holy Spirit was nudging me, but I said, I could probably use a mentor myself. I asked God to transform me and change me, and He's done that tremendously. And and I, I can't. I look forward to more because I do things I would have never done. You know, I mean, um, praying for people in public. You know, somebody at high V or at the Y, or even even guys at work that are asking for prayer now that I never could have done it before. I never had the boldness to do it before, and now it's like uh, it's like God opens these doors enables you to do the things he wants you to do for him.
I, I love that story because, you know, Bruce articulates that there is this place in his walk with Jesus where he knew he needed some help. And he took that kind of decision, it's a courageous decision really, to kind of put a flyer out in a church and ask for a mentor and to step into this life-giving relationship. I love that picture of those three guys just reading the word together around a table. And what this does is that these conversations with other believers, this meeting together, it can actually begin to set a trajectory of growth and obedience in our lives. When, when you've got somebody ahead of you in the journey who is speaking into your life, who is challenging you into more, who is encouraging you or, or urging you on, it is such a benefit, but, but you don't receive that benefit until you make that courageous choice to step into community. This is why our weekly wor worship gathering is so important to us. Kudos to all of you for being here across our network. This is such a rich and beautiful time where we're together, we're lifting our voices to the Lord, we're, we're learning the word together. This is so important for us. This is why Heritage provides so many different options of groups at Heritage, you know, where, where it's life or learning or support or, or uh, 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 I'm blanking out, uh, life learning support and serving groups, there it is, there it is. Or, or even some of the network classes that we have, like Explore Relationship that's going on right now. Though, those are catalytic, uh, those, are, those are places where you can get exposed to other people and grow in your faith. And don't take for granted the reality that God, when, when you say yes, and you step into those moments of group dynamics, that God can actually take you and you will actually further or encourage the people that you're with in that dynamic. There is so much benefit to plugging in to those things. That's why once or twice a year, we will invite you into an all-church devotional. In fact, just as a, a way of a teaser, we're going to have an Advent devotional this year. It's going to take us actually from Advent Christmas all the way to Epiphany. It's going to launch in late November. I know people aren't really ready for winter yet, but, but this is a really great tool for us because we believe that there is power in studying, praying, and leaning into the same material together as a community of believers. This is why we are committed to brokering mentoring relationships because we believe there is power in, in connecting people together. That, that there's always this, this need of us maybe needing a little bit of help along the way. Now make no mistake, leaning into community, it is difficult. Maybe, maybe it's a personality thing for you or maybe you've been hurt in the past by leaning into community. So it is a courageous choice. But, but I want to encourage you to work with the Lord and take a step into greater rhythm of community, of body life, of, of getting plugged in with people here. Now, all of this sets up kind of a quick so what moment, and I'm telling you, it's gonna be really, really quick because here's the reality. This whole sermon has been so what, right? Last week, Pastor Sean talked about this is what we believe. These are these two core values. This week is basically so what? What do we do with those two core values? And in my mind, we live fully into authentic love and, and intense spirituality when we are engaging with the scriptures, when we are praying and connecting with the heart of God, and when we are actively stepping into rhythms of community. So my two quick so what points would just be this. Take a step, any step, just a step forward. It, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It might be as simple as just 
you know, downloading that, that Bible app on your phone or building in 60 seconds of silence. It could be something completely different, but take a step. Identify it and take it. The second thing I would suggest is ask for help. There is no shame in asking for spiritual help. If you want to be partnered with a spiritual mentor, the, the, the easiest way to do that is to take the, that connection card that's in your seat backs in front of you and just fill out your information and just say, want a mentor. Or if it's a group that you want to get connected in, you know, check the box that you're interested in. But we want to help you take your next step in community because we actually believe that that is the healthiest way that we can pursue Jesus in community together. And we are passionate about engaging with you and helping you lean into these practices that will put you in the best position to receive what God has for you. And my prayer, my prayer is that we would be a people known for our authentic love, that we would be a people known for our spiritual intensity, that we would be a people known for practicing our faith and pursuing, passionately pursuing Jesus together. That's my prayer for this community. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for your great love and your mercy in our lives. I thank you, God, for the big story, for the story of redemption, the story of Jesus coming to earth and through his death and resurrection, creating pathways for us to experience freedom and forgiveness. I thank you for the extraordinary gift of prayer that you hear every word we say, that it connects us to your heart and connects us to a conduit of your power. And God, I thank you for the gift of this body of believers. I love Heritage Church. And I just pray, God, that your favor and your anointing would just continue to be poured out as we lean into a future with you. Give us courage and give us hope to step forward. We thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done. We thank you for your love. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.